Welcome back to the Pesky Report. This is episode 288 of the Pesky Report. We're closing in on the big 300. Not yet, but we're getting close, real close. Um, this is, like I said, it's episode 288. Um, more miners talk here with you. This is obviously presented by Beyond the Monster. I will not forget that this week, like I did two weeks ago, and I almost did last week. I'm not forgetting it this week. Um, but yes, my name is Derek also known as their president, El Presidente of the Alan Castro Fan Club. I'm here with Jake and Hunter. And we're going to start this week. We're just going to go top to bottom, AAA, all the way down to the FCL, because um, there's a couple things to talk about down there. Um, and then we also we will have a guest the prospect at the end, too, as well. So stay tuned for that. But first, let's start up at AAA, talk about the guy who's been garnering the most buzz across the minor leagues, at least the, the system, this past week. And it's Sedan Rafaela. I'll actually switch it up this week. Normally we go to Jake first. I'll go to Hunter first this week. Whoa, upset. Uh, Uh-oh. We're going to switch it up Hot a little twist. bit. A little, a little bit different. Uh, we're switching it up for once. Uh, so, Hunter, uh, thoughts on Rafaela's week and just, I mean, in the insane week he had. and Probably the best week we've seen all year throughout the minor leagues. Yeah, uh, it was really fun to watch. It was great to see uh, they were playing the Syracuse Mets and they were playing at Syracuse, and it was great to hear the Syracuse announcers go crazy for Zayon Rafaela. I think he might be their new favorite player. Uh, it's, uh, it feels like a love-hate relationship. They always uh, they were scared when he came up. They you know, made noises when he hit homers, but they also talked about how he's the most electric player in the minor leagues. They've talked about how he's, um, he's uh, uh, got star power written all over him. And the reason they said that is because he is ter- he terrorized the Mets all week. He hit homers on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. That's five games in a row. And then on Sunday, he went three for five. He had a double that just missed being a homer. He had an infield single for an RBI on with the bases loaded. Uh, so he showed off the speed there, too. And it's getting increasingly harder to keep telling people that you have to wait with Rafael and he needs time. And I do still believe that the best thing for him is to give him some time in AAA. I know it's really hard to say that. And it's really hard to hear that when someone's doing what he's doing. Um, but I, I don't really think it would do him any favors to give him 20 games in AAA. Well, I think it's, it's 30 something games at this point in AAA. Uh, now, do I think he could come up and contribute right away? Yes. But uh, the Red Sox do still have a, a log jam in the outfield and he wouldn't be playing every day, and you might as well give him those everyday at-bats now. I do think he will get called up at some point this season, and I do think it might be a little earlier than some expected because he might end up forcing his way if he continues to do this. Uh, I mean, he's, he's hitting – he's slashing 328, 379, 688 in, in AAA. That's absurd. He's, he was having a good year in AA, and he was getting hot. Um, and he's just what he's done in AAA has been ridiculous. Um, it's it's getting to the point where it's laughable to think about the fact that people were cooling off at him, cooling off on him at one point this season. And there was, you know, oh, you know, there's the Red Sox have all these great prospects, and it seemed like he was one that a lot of fans were okay with trading. And I get that. I, me personally, I don't want to trade any prospects ever, but. It's it's crazy how quickly it went from at the trade deadline, like, oh, maybe we could get something nice if we throw in Sadon Rafaela to everyone saying, like, why isn't he already in the majors? This guy's a superstar. What are we doing? And uh, I mean, this is just this is who he's been. He's always been an electric player and he's always going to give you these absurd streaks that 
blow everyone's mind and makes it makes him new fans. I've said it before. Every time I've gone to a Portland Sea Dogs game, I went to some games last year. I went to some games this year uh, where Rafael was on the team. And by the second or third game, there were fans. And I went in Reading and I went in Somerset. And both times there were fans of the other team that were pointing at people like, oh, this is that guy that did the thing yesterday. Oh, this is the guy that robbed the homer. This is the guy that hit a homer. Like, it, he, anytime anyone watch him, watches him, it seems like he makes new fans, and we're seeing why. Yeah, definitely. And I do want to add to that point that, like, yeah, maybe, like, like give him a little bit of time. Red Sox also very much view AAA's developmental stage. They don't just see it as a just – bypass straight to the big leagues they very much see it as a developmental level for prospects also too you got to remember he still only played about 30 35 games in AAA. you give him if he's just continues on this tear throughout all of august that conversation comes september is going to get really interesting um but we still have to see what happens the rest of august you said the outfield's log jam you can even argue in the middle infield's about to be log jammed with trevor story going back with the additional Luis arias arroyo's now in AAA. like it's getting log jammed pretty quick. Um, so there's also a little bit of that to it as well. But if he's playing well, that you can only hold him back for so long. And I mean, he's, if he's just going to have weeks like this, like it, it, it's stupid. You should, like at the, at the middle of the week, I'm just like, why do the Syracuse Mets even pitch? To him? Like, what's the point? Like they, they tried to not pitch to him for a game. It, exactly. They tried to not pitch to him for a game and he took one swing the whole game. And it was a home run. Like, Literally, it's stupid. Like, you should not have a week that outrageous. I mean, the total stats, he went 9 for 24, a double, five homers, and that was five games in a row he hit homers. Uh, he also had four walks to five strikeouts. I know all four of those walks came in one game when the Mets just said, no, we don't want to pitch to him, yet he still had a home run in the game. Also stole a base. Like, just electric, right? And then that doesn't even count for the defense he brings and the value on the base pass he brings. It's stupid. Like, you should, should not have a week that good. Um we could probably talk for Rafael for like half an hour if we really wanted to. Um, but I don't want to have this go on for half an hour because I don't want to be here for five hours. Um, so I'll hand it off to Jake. Uh, thoughts on Rafael this week. Well, I'm going to proceed to just spend the next 23 minutes talking about Rafael. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, this was just like the best week that I think we've really seen from a prospect so far this season, other than maybe that one really crazy week that Marcelo Meyer had like that, the basically the end of his time in, in a high a, but I think you're looking at a guy in Raffaella who, despite some up and down stretches, he's looking like he's going to end up being kind of the, probably the MVP of the minor leagues this year for the Red Sox. Just if you base, base it on the stats that he's putting up and the value that he's added on defense and on the base pads, he's done, he's done pretty much everything this year. And, I think it's interesting the thing about like trying not to pitch to him. I think you, in order to keep Rafaela from hitting, you literally have to issue an intentional walk every single time because even if you try to pitch around him, he's probably going to swing at it and he's probably going to get a base hit. So um, the numbers have just been crazy since he got up to Worcester. I was looking this up today. He's played 31 games in AAA, he has hits in 28 of those games. <laughs> And it's not only that, he sorry. didn't have a hit the first game. So it's tw it's thirty, it's it's twenty eight of thirty games. He has a hit. It just goes to show you how incredible his ability is to put the bat on the ball. Um, and he's never going to draw walks. Like we just have to accept that with him. But he is, uh, like 
an incredible talent, just his ability to put the bat on the ball and make stuff happen. And this week you saw the power that he has, which is just amazing when you consider that like, realistically like he's five foot eight like he's not you know i think he's listed at five nine i think everybody kind of knows that he's five, he's five eight he's he's, he's five small. nine in, he's five nine in baseball cleats. five nine in baseball term yeah exactly so in cleats i guess right he's five nine uh and he, you know he's 33 of 34 on stolen base attempts this year and plus just like the elite elite defense so the question about whether or not he should come up i think obviously you do reach diminishing returns once a guy is doing what he's, you know, if he continues to just do what he's doing in AAA, he's not learning anything. He's not, you know, whatever. Derek, you're hundred percent right that the Red Sox view AAA as being valuable development time for all of these guys. It's just the way that the Red Sox do things. Um, I don't, and, and I know that the part of what plays into this is the fact that the major league team has not been playing well to say the least. And there's like the ideas like, right, call up Raffaello, like he'll, give a jolt and whatever all this stuff i just like if everyone's healthy i just don't see the playing time for him and that's not going to help him like he needs to play he needs to continue to 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 cook he needs to continue to he just has to play it is not even necessarily a matter of developing or whatever like i do think he can he can can continue to work on his swing decisions and he can continue to work on uh how what his approach is at the plate like there's always going to be room for improvement with Raffaello on that front I just think that if you called him up to Boston now with Trevor story, you know, we're recording this Monday, Trevor story is going to be back Tuesday, tomorrow. You have Luis Arias and you already have, you know, you have Chang and Reyes there too. One of those guys is going to have to go out for, to get story on the roster tomorrow uh, on Tuesday. That is. And I just don't think if, if you call up Rafaela, he would take Chang's spot. And if you Chang is, you know, your backup middle infielder behind story and, and Urias, he's not going to like Raphael is just not going to play enough. Like he, and, and, and the outfield is crowded enough as it is. Um, and again, if somebody gets hurt or there's an opportunity, if you know, one of the outfielders gets hurt, especially then yeah, like let's see what let's, let's call him up and see what he can do. Yeah. I also would just caution people because people throw this around a lot and say, He's gonna. He'll be a September call up. I would say that that's pretty unlikely too, in my opinion, because the rules are different now. If they if it was the full forty man uh, expanded roster, then absolutely, especially once Worcester season ends, which the AAA season ends later than it used to now. Anyway, so I think it's September twenty fourth. Yeah, so there's only like a week of games left basically after that. I think that the Red Sox will use that extra roster spot. So they only get two ro- they only get two extra roster spots in September. One is obviously going to go to a pitcher. The other in my opinion will go to a catcher. Um you, you this is it's a long MLB season. Now what's interesting is right now the Red Sox are back to the the spot where they only have two catchers on the 40 man. But there will add it will be Caleb Hamilton who's you know back in the organization right and like uh, or it'll be somebody else. Um they sign Jorge Alfaro again. Yeah, yeah, you never yeah, but very possible. But I think like they they will use another catcher because again it's a long season. Connor Wong has caught a lot, has had to catch yeah. a lot this year for the Red yeah. Sox. Um, now that McGuire is back, that's going to be helpful. So I don't even know that we're going to see Rafaela in in September, um, except for maybe the very end. So um, I say just just let's just see what he see what he can continue to do. Uh, he's going to continue to cook, and I don't think there's really much of a chance, barring injury, that we're going to see him in the big leagues this year. 
but I think that depending on some moves that happen in the offseason, very much he would he'll be in the mix to be in the big leagues next year. And yep. uh and maybe he starts the year back in AAA again just to continue for him to continue to get more time there. But he's starting to show that he's too good almost for AAA already, which is yep. an incredible, uh incredible development. I think it's just about joint enjoy the ride with him. Like yeah, exactly. You you don't get like you don't want to get just get too far ahead on him. Just enjoy the ride where it is. It's a really fun ride right now. Enjoy it while while it lasts. Um, it's the fun part about homegrown players coming through the system is you get to see the success they have in the system and coming up through the system and eventually in the big leagues. Um, so enjoy the ride while it lasts because sooner than later, potentially he could be in the big leagues and then that ride's it's going to be at its destination and then it's going to be about the big leagues, right? So yep. enjoy it while it lasts. And not um, to, I'll go to uh... Not to call anyone out, I'm not going to say any names or anything, but I've seen a lot of uh, the same people that were trashing Tristan Casas for his slow start now saying to bring Rafaela up. And it's like, would you be doing the same thing if Rafaela comes up and struggles for a week? Are we going to hear how he's bad? And also, I've seen quite a few people suggest he come up and be the starting second baseman. Say that Rafael was a great second baseman. He hasn't played it since single A. <laughs> let's not let's not start throwing. Sadon Rafaela at second base because it's a weak position for the Red Sox. The guy hasn't done it since since single A. Yeah. Do I think he would be fine there? Yes, but why are like that's clearly not in the plan. He hasn't played there in two years. So let's they also just traded for a guy to play yeah. second base. Yeah. Also and he's been that. it's been two games, but he's been great. So he's looked really good. Yeah, I think that Rafaela like is a center fielder. <laughs> yeah. Like, and if he's not gonna be if he can't hack it with the bat then yeah, he's a super utility guy. Like there's no, definitely. And he will play. I don't really see him playing first base because but yeah, I do think he'll end up playing all over the field though. At some point. Yes. He'll get exactly. games in it second ever or third, but he's like you said, he's center field mix in a little shortstop and mm. wherever else, but he's, yeah, he's yeah. a center fielder. At Fenway, you could probably even stick him at right field. If you wanted to, because that's basically oh, a second center field. Uh-huh. Kind of what they kind of, I hate making this comparison, but they did it with Mookie, right? Moving to center to right, right? Because it's a second center field. I hate yeah. making that comparison because I kind of made it with their base running last week, but they've done it before with elite defenders in the outfield, um, who also just so happens to be an infielder, which is why I hate the comparison so much, but they're <laughs> so similar um, in some ways. Um, but Hunter, I, w- I do want to go to you. Um, who else in the, uh, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm losing my words. Um, reading level of a first grader, vocabulary of a first grader, it's here. Um, who who else impressed you this week uh, in AAA? Uh, I mean, Stephen Scott continues to be phenomenal in AAA, and it's kind of he's had this trend for two years now where uh, he was doing okay in single A. Midway through the year, he got called up to high A, was good. Then last year, he was okay in high A. He got called up to double A. He was better. And now he's doing the same thing this year. He was having a solid season in double A and he got called up to triple A and he's been absurd. He's, he's slashing 286, 385, 602, seven doubles, eight homers and 31 games. He's driven in 32 runs. So he's, he's driven in more runs than games he's played in at the level. Uh, left-handed hitting catcher should excite people, but the, the knock on him is the defense. Um, I had someone ask me this week, even uh, he had, I believe he had another, he's done this a few times this year now, another two, three run homer game. I think he's had like two or three of them where he had two separate three run homers in the same game. Um, And someone said like the knock on him is that he's Jorge Alfaro levels defensively. 
I think he's better than Jorge Alfaro. That's not saying much. No offense to Jorge Alfaro, but dear Lord, that was some bad defense. Um, but there is still that major question of if he can stick there. Now, like I said, I do think he's better than Jorge Alfaro. I think he's better than Ronaldo Hernandez. So he is a, in a better position than them defensively. And also he's having a phenomenal offensive season. So um, that does add intrigue, especially uh, Jake brought up earlier that the Red Sox could call up a catcher at the end of the year. Um, uh, Steven Scott is not on the 40 man. But as you also pointed out, they only have two catchers on the 40-man right now, so they would have to add someone anyway. And I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe he's Rule 5 eligible this year. Um, so that might be something that they want to do anyway to, to you know give him a couple games and see what he's got because he is someone that I 100% could see getting, getting snatched up by a team. He's a, uh, already proven he can do it at AAA and I could see a team thinking like, hey, we, we can put him on our major league roster right away. Um, but he's someone he that is, I... He, he is, in fact, Rule 5. He is, okay. I thought okay. maybe he was Rule 5 eligible last year too, but he is he is this winter, yes. Um, I do think that he could have an immediate impact on the Red Sox, especially as a left-handed hitting catcher um, with, with Connor Wong being a right-handed hitting catcher. Um but there, there's going to be those questions, question marks about his defense, but the offense has been so good. And he is newer to the position. He did play it a little bit in college and stuff, but he primarily didn't. And then last year, I believe, was the first year that he like went full-time catcher. So he is still pretty new to the position, and he has improved decently in the year and a half that he's been doing it full-time. So there is the, the chance that he continues to get better. And um, I just I think he's that he's been an intriguing, especially since he moved full time to catcher. He's been an intriguing prospect, and the what he's done in AAA this year only only gives him more leverage and more uh, more excitement and more risk of being selected. So I really do think that that he could be the the catcher that the Red Sox give a chance to at the end of the year, just to see if they like what he has. Because let's not pretend like Reese McGuire's been phenomenal. Um, so maybe they, maybe they see that as a chance to give Steven Scott a, uh, uh, an audition for next season. And then you already have him on the 40 man and you don't have to worry about him getting selected in the off season. Yeah, definitely. Uh, rule five eligible. So yeah, definitely could make sense as a September call up. I do want to touch on Denilson Lamette just because he is a guy actually this past off season. I, I wrote about him and said, I'd love the Red Sox to take a flyer on him. Obviously, he stayed with Colorado and eventually gets DFA'd, and then the Red Sox do scoop him up. Um, they've been using him as a starter in AAA. Um, this past week, he had, a, he had a start, went five innings, just gave up two runs, four strikeouts, three walks. You know, solid, nothing crazy, but solid. Um, but the right, the big league team is calling him up today, uh, as we speak, Monday. Um, you'll hear this on Wednesday, so maybe he'll pitch by then, maybe not. Maybe you'll find out if he's starting by then or if he's going to be used out of the bullpen. I called for him to be used out of the bullpen if the Red Sox were to get him this past offseason. We'll see how it goes. But it's a guy who, you know, finished fourth in signing vote in 2020. Was it a shortened season? Yes. A little bit of an asterisk next to it. Yes. But he still was fourth in Young voting for a season, regardless of how short the season was. He's had success in the big leagues before. Um, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see how he fits in. He's another kind of piece 
where the Red Sox have gone and gotten where it's like, hey, he's had successful before. Maybe we, he's struggling a little bit now, but let's see if we can pull some success out of him uh, and or maybe tweak a couple things and see what we have. Um, not similar to Luis Arias, but like I do want to say like somewhat similar because like Arias was struggling this year in Milwaukee, um, then comes over Red Sox. See, maybe we can get him to start playing well here, give him consistent playing time at the big league level. A little like different situations, but like somewhat similar in the terms of struggling this year, trying to get back to old form. Lament obviously back in 2020 or even 19 or 21, depending on how good you think he can be. Whereas Urias, it literally was the last two seasons where he was really good. Um, an injury this year, so a little bit different situation, but somewhat similar in terms of getting talent that you think can be better than what they have been. Um, this year. Um, so for Lamette, I'm in, I'm really interested to see what he does at the big league level. Um, he's been solid for the most part in AAA. Um, I don't think he's had like one start where it's just been like blown me away, blown me out of the water, but he's been pretty consistent for the most part. Hasn't been like, there hasn't been like ton, there hasn't been like blow ups after blow ups. Like we've seen sometimes from him at the big league level. Um, so it's more so of an interesting for me to see what he does. He's a guy I like, um, I also, like him because i used to dominate with him on mlb the show so me and one of my friends we had to make a rule where i can't use denilson lamette whenever we play because i used to just dominate with them um but that's a that's a story that's a long story i don't want to get too much into that but yes uh, i'm very excited to see how he does in the big level and i hope he has success um just like i hope everyone in the red Sox system has success as well um i do want to throw it over to jake uh who do you want to talk about out of the triple uh, a team so I wanted to bring up uh, someone who we haven't talked about a lot here recently, and that's Willie Abreu. So uh, Hunter mentioned kind of Willie Abreu was involved in probably the most memorable play that happened this week that did not involve Sedan Raffaella. Um, and it also involved the guy that Hunter talked about, Stephen Scott, where Abreu made just a completely insane thing throw from right field to gun a guy out at home plate and we've heard a lot about uh abreu's defensive ability if you have a, a defensive outfield with like abreu and right field and rafael in center that's pretty good like you're covering a lot of ground and abreu has a really great throwing arm and he put it on display in on that play and i think that uh steven scott was a little bit angry about getting run into at the plate by the by the runner that's my guess or there may have been something else that happened during the game because at, when Scott was walking away from the runner that ran that ran into him and we, was out at home plate, he slammed the baseball down like basically like between his legs, like almost in the crotch area. Uh, he, he just like threw the baseball right down on the ground, and uh, I don't think that the Mets were too crazy about that, but uh, it was kind of funny to see that. But as far as Abreu goes, he had a pretty good week this past week, five for eighteen. Um, he hit a home run. He had a 409 on base. He's continued to show really good plate discipline, four walks or and, and four strikeouts. And I think that Abreu is somebody who has not hurt his stock very much this year. If you look at his numbers um, in AAA this year and you compare them to his numbers last year that he was in AA the whole time, the numbers are pretty close. His on base is a little bit lower. Um, his slugging percentage is about is roughly about the same. It's about you know an 800 OPS. He has has 14 homers this year. He had 19 last year. Um, he spent some time injured, which has not really helped him. And he's had some injury stuff in the past too, I guess. So, but I think that between his, his plate discipline, his power potential and his defense, he's going to have a role in the big leagues at some point. 
and maybe possibly if there's an out, if there are outfield openings next year, uh, or at least an, at least one outfield opening next year, I know we talked about Rafaela Abreu, if he's still here, could be in the mix for consideration for an outfield spot um, as soon as next season with the Red Sox. And he hasn't really shown a, a, he hasn't really shown this year that he doesn't deserve that opportunity. So um, good week for Abreu. Good to kind of see him healthy and, and on track. And, um, you know, I think the big leagues are, are maybe not too far off for Abreu, whether it's here or somewhere else. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, I think that's, I think that's good for uh A. Got through in under 30 minutes, which we didn't talk about Rafael for 30 minutes. He got through Triple A under 30 minutes. Uh, shocker. Uh, maybe we're making better time than we have the last few weeks. We've run a little long the last few weeks. Maybe we'll get better this week. Who knows? I'm not prepared for that. Um, anyways, time to go to Double A. Um, the Portland Sea Dogs uh, this week. They went two and four. So kind of flipped to the Triple A team. Triple A, who uh, Sox went four and two. Portland goes two and four. Um, but we do want to talk a little bit about Nick York. He's had a kind of under the radar a couple last weeks, a little bit of struggle, a little bit just kind of being other guys just having big weeks and him not having massive weeks. Uh, this week, 5 for 17, did have a two-homer week, though. Also stole two bases this week. Um, only struck out three times this week. Um, very solid week overall for York. Um, it just kind of, you know, not maybe the biggest week again. You could argue maybe it was like a Blaze Jordan who had the biggest week, but He's a guy we feels like we haven't talked about from a while, and he's still, you know, still Nick York. Uh, I do want to go to Jake first this time. We'll go back to the old tradition of going to Jake first. Um, Jake, your thoughts on York's week? Yeah, it, it's been a you know his numbers have kind of settled in a little bit. Um, he's been striking out more definitely than he was at the beginning of the year. His his batting average on balls in play is pretty high. Um, I wouldn't say that it's not luck necessarily. But, you know, his strikeout rate and his walk, he's walking more than he did last year. Strikeout rate is kind of right around that 25%. So not necessarily the the thing that you want to see from him. But if you still look at, you know, overall, he's been hitting the ground on the ball. He's, yeah, he's hitting the ball on the ground less. He's been um, he's hitting more line drives and more fly balls, which is good, good things that you want to see. Um, and this past week for York, he was... Um, he had two homers. His slash for the week was 294, 333, 857, a 1.250 OPS. Two doubles. He had he had eight runs batted in, so he was taking um actually that might be wrong. Uh he he was he had a good week either way. He had a couple <laughs> he had a couple stolen bases too. He did he did only just he did only strike out three times versus one walk. So that was uh that was good. It was good to see. I think that um York has come up a lot as somebody who, you know, we don't really know what his role is going to be and if he's going to be in the organization going forward. The Red Sox decision to trade for Luis Ur- Luis Urias takes pressure off of York in terms of the next, at least next year. Um, I do think that York will be in Worcester next year if he's still on the team, uh, if he's still in the fr- if he's still in the organization. He is uh, doesn't has not you know he was had a very poor year in Greenville last year and still got moved up to Portland and he's had a pretty solid year in Portland this year so I don't see any reason why he would be held back there I know the Red Sox have a lot of you know we're running into the situation where there's going to be more guys than there is really playing time for in some instances and you look at 
double. You look at AAA with David Hamilton and and Emmanuel Valdez, who's been injured and hasn't played in a, in a little while. Um, and then you know you have York and Meyer, and and then there's going to be the next run group that's going to come up of Romero and Cutter Coffee, and then hopefully we're talking about Nizan Zanatello and Antonio Anderson and 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 Christian Campbell and Justin Reimer and these guys. So. They are going to have to make some decisions here, but I think that for York, having having Urias here takes pressure off of him. He can go to Worcester next year and continue to work on some of the things that maybe have dropped off a little bit for him as this year has gone on. Uh, but it was good to see him having a really good week this past week, and um, he's got another few you know another few weeks left in the season. He could be somebody that you could see after Portland season ends. I could see him spending the last couple of weeks of the year in, in Worcester, just getting his feet wet there. Um, if that opportunity presents itself. So good week for Nick York and good to see him. Uh, good to see him hitting well again. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, something that I feel like people need to remember with him is he's still young. He's 21 years old. Like um, he's, he's young for double a. Uh, so this, this is honestly a very strong season for him, especially coming off that tough last season where he had the injuries and everything. And if you want to stretch out, you want to stretch it out a little bit longer in his last eight games, York has a hit in seven of his last eight games. He's got uh, a double three homers in that time. So he, he is starting to show that power again. And um, I don't think that's ever going to be like the big, he's, he's never going to be like this Dan ugly type second baseman who's hitting three homers a season, but he's got a, a surprising amount of power. And, um, I think that that adds a lot to his game. And I mentioned something at the end of last season. Um, it felt like there was a lot of traction on the let's trade Nick York train. I don't know why, but that seemed to be like a really big thing. And I remember telling people, let's not sell low on Nick York. Like he's coming off a really tough injured, injury riddled season. And I think that uh, this season has kind of been like the perfect bounce back for him. He moved up to double A, which no one really expected. Uh, and he's he's performed really well. He has had some some moments of struggle. He has, um, as you mentioned, he's striking out a little bit more, starting to walk a little bit less. But um, the the overall numbers are phenomenal. He's already he already has more homers than he had all of last season. He he already has more RBIs than he had all of last season. He already has more doubles, runs scored, triples than he had all last season. Uh, so clearly York's healthy again and, and showing that he is a very solid prospect. And now, as you mentioned, there's such a log jam. Um, and especially with Luis Arias is, is younger and not, not younger than Nick York. I'm just saying he's a younger player, um, who has a couple years of team control. So maybe if he continues to perform this year, maybe he's their second baseman. Um, and that does take a lot of pressure off Nick York. It gives him, you know, all of next year, maybe even some of the year after that to really, you know, get together. Like even if he plays all of next year and all of the season after that in the minors and he comes up in 2025, 2026, like he'd be a 24 year old rookie. That's not old. Like that's not, it's not a young rookie, but that's not all like that. You know, you got another decade easily in you in the majors. Um, but I think that this year really has put him in a great position where, he's back as you know a lot of people are considering him a top 100 prospect again um he's back in like the he's he's got a 
not, a, I don't want to say a clear path to the majors because there is a log jam, but he's got a path to the majors and his trade value is back to being f- fantastic. He's someone that could be maybe not the lone centerpiece in a big, in a trade for a big name, but he could be a main piece in, in a trade for a big name, uh, which gives the Red Sox something fantastic because they do have a, a very loaded farm system right now. So uh, as much as I don't want to admit it, they probably will be trading off some some of the bigger names at some point. And so to see someone get their stock back up like Nick York has this year has been fantastic. Hopefully he continues to play well and becomes a great second baseman for the Red Sox. But um, if they end up trading him, I understand. And mm-hmm. I do think that he'll be a solid major league player. I, I just want to talk about this for a minute because this has come up a lot re- over the course of the last you know, week since the trade deadline. And I think that um, I, I agree with what, what, with Hunter, what, what you're saying, like there is going to be critical mass in this organization when it comes to prospects and soon. Um, and I think that there has been a confluence of factors that have made it hard for the Red Sox to pull off tr- big prospect trades. And what number one, like last off season, you just didn't see those trades. Those trades just like were not happening across baseball. Yeah. Um, the Red Sox, a lot of their prospects, their good prospects were at the sort of lower levels of the minors. And I think that most teams, when they were trying to, when they were making trades, they wanted guys that were, they either wanted to do like major leaguer for major leaguer type trades, which is kind of what the Red Sox did in the actual trades that they did make, where they traded Richard, they traded Matt Barnes for Richard Blyer and they traded Josh Taylor for Adalberto Mondesi. And, um, you know, there weren't like a lot of those other, or it was trades where you want, they were trying to get guys that were close to the big leagues. Um, and you know, an example of that is that Sean Murphy trade that had Esteri Ruiz go to the, go to the A's. And so, you know, that was, that was that one. I think that that hurt the Red Sox because they couldn't make, they didn't have the ammunition to make those trades. And then this past trading deadline, we, we're starting to hear more about what the the actual price was for guys that the Red Sox wanted in terms of go get like a controllable starting pitcher. And, um, you know, shout out to, to our buddies, uh, Jared Carabas and Tyler Milliken on their podcast. Uh, Jared said that he heard that the ask for Dylan cease was Brian Bale. <laughs> um, I hope, I hope which John Heim, cursed at him and hung like, up the phone because that's well, absurd. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, just, just, I'm sure that Heim was more polite than that. Knowing what, I, I'm, what I'm aware we, of. Him. We won a, we won a younger, better performing pitcher for our older, not as well performing pitcher. Exa- yeah. So, so, but, but, yeah. he, but this is the thing about the trade deadline to me, which is like, if you're, if you have a guy like Dylan Cease and it sounds like the price was similarly very high for Mitch Keller from the Pirates or any of the Mariners guys who might've been available as young pitchers. Um, I think that if you are, if you're in that selling position at the trade deadline, it makes sense to ask for the moon because you might get a team that's desperate enough to say yes. Yeah. Um, But the issue is that you have the, the trading deadline, you have a finite amount of time in which to have a, a trade happen because literally there's it's pencils down at six o'clock on whatever day the deadline is this year. It was August 1st. So that makes it more of a likely that a team is going to make them potentially make a mistake. And you could get a team that's desperate enough to say, okay, I want, 
I, I got to have this player. And if you're saying that that's the price, then I'm going to pay it um, because you don't have as much time to think about it and make those decisions. So I think that that um, it, so it makes sense to set that super high price if, for a guy like Dylan Cease, who, if you're the White Sox, even though they're terrible, um, you don't have to trade him. He has another two plus years of, of, of service time left. So my thought is that hopefully the environment to make trades is better this winter than it was this past winter. The Red Sox are in a better position to make some of those trades because a lot of their guys have performed more at higher levels of the minors. And again, it's going to, you know, Hunter, I totally agree. It's going to be sad to see some of these guys get traded, but guys like Nick York and Blaze Jordan. And, you know, I don't think they're going to trade Meyer really for anybody. I don't even really think they're going to trade Rafaela at this point for anybody, but you know, Willier Abreu, Emmanuel Valdez, Steven Scott, you know, all, a lot of these guys, Shane Drohan even throw him in there. Like these guys have performed at the higher levels of the minors and they're closer to being able to help teams that might be selling a piece like a Dylan Cease or a Mitch Keller or a Logan Gilbert or even a George Kirby or, or whatever. Um, so I just think like, I think that the trade deadline is a hard time to pull off trades like that because you need time to, to make it work. And you, and there's a deadline in place that makes it harder to make those trades happen. So I think that we're looking at a situation absolutely this off season where the Red Sox are going to have to tr trade out some of this prospect capital and um, it'll be tough to see it happen, but you it's a, it's a, it's simply is just a numbers game. They're going to need to have playing time for guys that they've drafted more recently and, and guys that maybe they don't see ha them being, being blocked. You know, I hate to say this again, blaze Jordan is a really good candidate of somebody to get traded. And it might be somebody that we talk about when we talk about here, because, He's only going to play first base, and the Red Sox have Tristan Costas, who's having a great rookie season. So, um, anyway, that's that's it's not my, a bad that's, problem to have, though. It's not, that's no, it's thing. not, not at all. It's, it's an amazing problem to have. I, I bring up like the Dodgers in terms of like, yeah, the Dodgers traded Caber Ruiz and part of the trade for Scherzer and Trey Turner, and they were finally Trey Turner. Well, they also had Will Smith in the big leagues and Diego Cartaya also in the minor leagues. Like, <laughs> like they like Caber Ruiz, like at best was going to be their backup catcher at best. And why are you going to keep him to be your backup catcher when you can use him as a big piece to go and get Trey Turner in Max Scherzer? Like, yeah, obviously. Right. So also too, there were reports this offseason that Heim is very kind of methodical and doesn't like to make snap decisions, which I know there are some beat writers and beat reporters claiming that and saying that, you know, it's a downfall of him. Yeah, a horrible thing to have a thoughtful, horrible thing. <laughs> yes, horrible thing. Operation. But like, if it is true that he does like to be more methodical, more so likely that a trade's going to happen in the off season than the trade deadline. And guess what's coming up next? The off season. Yeah, and all the and, time in the world. And the last thing on this is that I and I don't want to. You know, we we've talked about this enough in terms of like not you know talking about the actual prospects. But one thing yes. that Bloom talked about, I listened to a podcast that he did with. Chris Cotillo and, and Sean McAdam, right. You know, about a week before the trade deadline. And he talks about how the trade deadline, a lot of times you talk about trades with teams that don't get done. And then they set up for trades that happen in the off season. Like that's a big part of the trade deadline. So I have a feeling that hopefully there was some groundwork late. And he, just to give one really specific example, and this isn't, this is, this goes a long time back. This is when I was in college. This happened. He said that when the trading deadline in 2007, when he was with the Rays, a trade got proposed to them uh, that fell in their lap with like five minutes left before the trading deadline, where they could have 
acquired Matt Garza uh, and um, I can't remember who else was in that. I think like Jason Bartlett or somebody like that from the twins in exchange for Delman Young and Brendan Harris. And it was that trade. So that fell in their lap with five minutes to go before the trade deadline. And they were like, there's not enough time. We can't do this. Like whatever. Then that winter, they made that exact trade. Like that trade happened. And then that was having Matt Garza help them propel them to getting to the world series that next year. So the, the big part of the trade deadline is you, you set the, you lay the groundwork for potentially making these trades happen when you have more time to really meet it out and complete it. Things like at the, at the winter meetings and stuff like that. So hopefully it, it does sound like based on all the reporting we've heard that a lot of these discussions happen. Like it is just, they, the trades just didn't happen. We know that the Red Sox were, they were, they talked about, to, about Dylan Cease. They apparently talked about Justin Verlander. We heard that maybe they talked about Blake Snell too. Like there were, there were they talked about Rich Hill. Like those, those were more sort of rental trades, but the conversations all happened. And that's part, that's what the deadline is about. Yeah. Yes, uh, definitely. Um, so if you're listening to us, stop with the Heim sat on his hands or Heim was sleeping there to the deadline talk. Don't like that was the most annoying time of my, uh, of my past week. Um, cause it was just like, okay, people are losing their minds for no good reason. Um, however, we do have more double A to talk about besides Nick York and trades. Um, cause we are the minor league, minor league show. Um, and we were talking about trades. I think it's the perfect time to bring up blaze Jordan, uh, very solid week, seven for 23, uh, this week. He had a double three homers, um, th- only three strikeouts. He drew two walks this week. Blaze Jordan's just like, I, for all the internet hype of blaze Jordan, like, some maybe causes some people to overrate him a little bit, but like I feel like it causes a lot of people to sleep on Blaze Jordan in some sense because it's like, oh, well, but he's a big name, whatever. But like, is, is he really that good? Like, it does his hit home runs. It's like, no, that's not Blaze Jordan. Like, that's the thing. And I think it's kind of caused him to go underrated in a sense. And yeah, at the big level, he mostly is probably going to be a first baseman. Does the, do the Red Sox really have a fit for that? No. Like I said, not a bad problem to have at all. And He's a guy who has been was very good, especially late on in high A, was just like demolishing baseballs, whether it's home runs or not, just felt just hard contact. And now he's in double A, performing very well, continuing to have a good year. And we're starting now starting to get to a point with Blaze Jordan where like, yeah, he's not the highest ranked prospect in the system, but you still you look at him and go, like, yeah, there's probably a big leaguer in there somewhere. Um, is it with the Red Sox? Who knows? Um, because obviously it's still a little ways away and he does seem to be log jammed, but you know, TH spot opening, maybe who the heck knows, right? Like I said, who the heck knows? Could it be with Red Sox? Potentially. Could it be with another team? Also a chance to blaze Jordan potentially has a chance to very well be a big leaguer and be a very solid big leaguer for a long time. Um, and I think he does by some of the casual fans get a little bit overlooked because of all the, the hype of he had as a teenager and when he was drafted and all that hype he had and people and, people just saw the clips of him hitting these 400 something foot home runs. And it's like, he's more than that. He's not just the guy who's going to hit an occasional 400 foot bomb. Right. He He's more than that. And I think that's the thing to know, that you have to know with him. He's not just that guy who's every once in a while going to hit a home run, but it's kind of a three. He's not just a three true outcome guy. He's going to do a lot more than that. And I think that's what you're hoping for with him. Um, you have a guy who can be a very solid middle of the bat order at his best. Um, and I hope it's with the Red Sox. If it's not, I hope he has success anywhere he goes. But yeah, um, very bright future ahead from him. And I do think he is, like I said, I do think he's somewhat underrated by some. Yeah, and uh, he, uh, he hasn't struck out 
much at the double A level either, which is, uh, I think that was something a lot of people thought he was going to go to double A and get overmatched because uh, there was always the talk of, oh, he can only hit breaking balls. Uh, I saw someone say, I thought it was a good point. They said they think it hurt Blaze Jordan that he's such a good junk ball hitter. Uh, and I thought that that was a good point because not it doesn't actually hurt him, but it hurts like the perception of him because people keep seeing videos of him hitting a hanging breaking ball 450 feet. And they're like, oh, well, it was a hanging breaking ball. Yeah, he does what he's supposed to do with that pitch. That's not his fault that he doesn't let a hanging breaking ball not get demolished. Uh, and I think it kind of led to this, oh, he can't catch up the fastballs, which it was an issue at one point, but I feel like he's really uh, he's really worked on that and he has not looked overmatched. Uh, I want to talk about, uh, well, first I want to say, because Jake brought up Matt Garza, that Matt Garza had the worst beard of all time. But then I'm going to talk about... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, then I want to just quickly say that uh, the Sea Dogs were playing uh, the uh, Bowie Bay Sox this week, and which means we got to watch Jackson Holiday play. And just, dear Lord, that kid started the year in single A uh, and is already a 19, he's a 19 year old in double A, slashing 396, 448, 642. If you get a chance, if you have a t- some time, and for whatever reason you don't want to watch the Red Sox minor league teams, Put on a Bowie Bay Sox game and watch Jackson Holiday. It's so much fun. Uh, but now I want to talk about Tyler Dearden. Uh, started off the year really solid. He was he was not hitting for power or anything, but he was getting on base a lot, uh, driving in a couple runs. And then he had this weird stretch where like he he missed a little bit of time. Then he was cold. Then he got called up to AAA for a day because they had injuries and people getting called up. And there was like this weird situation where AAA was like, "Hey, we only have." like nine hitters. We need someone on the bench. They, they called up Tyler Deer. He didn't play, but he was up there. Uh, then he got sent back down to double a, um, and he's starting to turn it around again. He was, he was down to like, I think he was down to like two thirty or something like that. Uh, and in his last eight games, he's 11 for 27 with five walks, three doubles, two homers. He's up to a two fifty seven, three forty three, three forty nine. 349. I'm sorry, three ninety four slash line. Uh, he's driven in 24 runs. He's he's a really solid left-handed bat in the outfield. He's uh, He had one season where I think he had like 21 home runs or something like that, and I think that that kind of got a little excitement around him, uh, and he really hasn't. Outside of that, his seasons have been kind of like hot and cold, hit and miss, but um, like he, he's, he seems to go through a lot of streaks. But he's currently in a really strong streak, and I think that he's a uh, – not not someone that's going to get talked about a lot, especially, I mean, we've talked about some of the names on the double-A roster already with Nick York and Blaze Jordan. Those are two guys that are uh, like these very obvious major league prospects with like elite hit tools. And um, and Tyler Dearden's just kind of this guy that's there that, you know, he's not, he's not very fast. He's a decent fielder. Uh, and the bat's like – good but not anything spectacular but i do think that there's uh there's this scenario where he's in triple a next year and he kind of he he like i said he he goes through these hot and cold streaks but i do think at the base of it is a very solid hitter um and i could see him being someone that kind of stabilizes a lineup in the minors and it's gonna be a road for him it's gonna be a challenge to get to the majors but He's got a lot there that I that I like. I think he's decent at drawing walks. Um, 
I think that I, he only has five homers on the year, but I do think there's a solid amount of power in his bat. He's, he has a walk-off homer on the year. Uh, he just hit a homer, I believe, two days ago. Um, and it's it's been weird for him. I think one of the reasons it's been so hot and cold is because of playing time. You know, Sadon Raffaello was in double A for a while. Corey Rogier is having a phenomenal season. Philip Sykes is there. Tyler McDonough plays the outfield every once in a while. Um, so Tyler Dearden's not getting everyday playing time, but he's starting to get more consistent playing time, especially since Rafael got moved up. And I think that that's really helped him. And I think we're starting to see the potential in his bat and hopefully he can keep going. And I, I'd like to see him get a shot in AAA next season. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Jake, who do you want to highlight in double A? You're going to talk about the coffee man. Uh, Isaac coffee. He had made two starts against Bowie this week. Um, he only went four innings the first one, but he went six innings. The second one overall 10 innings, uh, 13 strikeouts, five walks, four earned runs, but three of them were on homers and he had, uh, gave up seven hits. And again, so he doesn't, we talked about him a lot. I'm not going to spend believer too much on him. He doesn't throw hard. Um, he can barely break a pane of glass, but he gets guys out. And after kind of a rocky first start with the the Sea Dogs, he's made six starts in uh, in Portland since then. And he has a two thirty ERA in thirty one and a third innings. Forty still has, even though he doesn't throw hard, he has forty three strikeouts versus just eleven walks in 30, 31 and a third innings. I think the fact that he doesn't throw hard tells you that he has to be pinpoint with his command in order to be successful. Cause again, he gave up three home runs this week. So, um, you know, if he doesn't have, doesn't have his command, um, it's gonna, probably going to get hit pretty far. So good week for Isaac coffee and good to see. Um, I think before we go to Greenville, obviously I think we just have to mention, uh, Marcelo Meyer was put on the seven day IL with shoulder inflammation. Um, I've been getting some questions from people about why he was quote unquote struggling. Um, and I think it's it's obvious like the last, I think, five games uh, before he went on the IL, he was like one for 21 with 12 strikeouts. So it's like uh, something clearly was going on. Um, and so, you know, the Red Sox are going to do what they do with uh, their top prospects. They're going to not push him and um, he'll take all the time he needs to get back and get healthy again. I think that, you know, we don't have access to the advanced, the very advanced metrics, but I will say, I think it was the last Sox prospects pod, uh, our buddy Ian and, and, uh, and, and Chris Hatfield just said that, you know, the rate stats and all of the things are pretty consistent for him this whole entire season between single A and double A, but a huge part of it is, uh, not having good luck in Portland where he, the balls are just not dropping in as much. But clearly, like I said, over the last week or so, something was up. And so he's going to take his time to come back, and hopefully he'll be back. They, the, the reporting has been that it's not considered a serious injury, and uh, he should be back soon. But that's the Meyer will be uh, taking a break uh, for a little while, at least. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, now we're going to go down to uh, high A, and now we're hitting the two uh, southern teams, southern, sort of southern, but more, more southern than Portland and Worcester. Um, we're going to Greenville, which I, if I remember correctly, is more south than Salem. Yes. South Carolina is further yes. south than Virginia. Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't remember what state they're in. My <laughs> yeah. So that doesn't help. 
I know South Carolina is south, more south than Virginia, but yes, <laughs> I don't remember what city, cool. what state the cities are in. Um, but in Greenville, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Brian Gonzalez. Uh, eight for 21 this week, had a homer. Um, very solid week. I'll, I'll hand it off right back to Hunter. We'll go back to Hunter first this time. Um, thoughts on Gonzalez this week? Uh, yeah, I, I tweeted this out last night. Uh, Gonzalez has been like up and down this year. He started off and, and then had like this really hot stretch and then got cold again. But in July, he slashed 356, 413, 562. And now in August, he's slashing 381, 435, 524. So he's up to a 266, 322, 434 line. Uh, he's got 14 doubles, six triples, nine homers. He's driven in 46 runs. He's stolen seven bases. Two of those came yesterday. He's not the fastest player, but uh, he does seem to like to try to run. I think he's like seven for 12 on the season. Um, and that's that's something pretty consistent with him is uh, I think he's absurdly aggressive on the base paths, and sometimes it's not the best idea, um, but uh, sometimes it's led to good things. Sometimes it's led to bad things. Um, but he's a 21 year old outfielder, right-handed hitting. I think he's got a ton of raw power potential. Like it seems like he does, he does not hit cheap homers. Let's put it that way. It seems like every time he's hitting a homer, it's breaking a window. It's going 430 feet dead center. Um, and he's someone that, uh, got a chance last year and looked good for a little bit and then really struggled. And it was, it was interesting to see what he would be able to do in high A this year. And I think he's, really delivered he's been a pretty consistently uh middle of the order guy for greenville and he's produced most of the year like i said he's been up and down but for the most part even when he was struggling he was finding a way to bring in runs um and it seems like he's gotten really comfortable there and uh has become one of their most consistent one of their best hitters and as of like as of right now, over the last I – mean, I, I just told you the numbers. Since July, he's been their most dangerous hitter. Um, and obviously the the focus in, in Greenville is going to be on someone like Roman Anthony, someone like Luis Perales, even someone like Edinson Paulino who had a good week. Um, Brian Urbanasi's there. But it's been Brian Gonzalez being their, their anchor on offense. Uh, he just had a walk-off hit the other day. It was – uh, a dribbler to third base, but it was a walk off hit. Um, he had a he had a he's had at least one other walk off hit this year, um, and he's someone that I think fans aren't really going to pay attention to him much because he's in high A. Which, like, unless you're a name like Roman Anthony, a lot of normal fans aren't really going to care about you at that level. Um, but I think when he gets to Portland, I could see a lot of people starting to, to turn their heads. He does strike out a lot. But like I said, the, the power potential is ridiculous. Uh, don't expect him to hit 350 like he has been for the last two months. But if he can, if he could be a 265 guy that gets you 20-something homers, I think a lot of fans are going to be interested to see what he can do. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Jake, do you have any thoughts on Gonzalez? Um. You know, I don't have a lot to add. I, I think that uh, it's it's really cool to see uh, the opportunity that he's getting because, you know, they've had, um, you know, there's there's a lot going on in the outfield in Greenville between, you know, between Anthony and uh, Alan Castro. So Gonzalez is, is very much going to be the type of guy that flies under the radar just for that reason. And, um, it's good to see him, you know, him doing well. 
you know, I will say that just, just looking at some of the raw numbers, I mean, he does strike out a lot. Um, he's like a 34% strikeout rate this year, 7% walk rate. I mean, that's going to have to, that's going to have to uh, come down uh, for the Red Sox to sort of, you know, seriously consider moving him up to Portland at some point. Um, but nice to see uh, guys making noise there. And it, there were a lot of, you know, we're going to each talk about our individual players and I'm sure that maybe it'll come up, but there were a lot of very good offensive performances this past week for Greenville against, uh, against the Rome Braves. And that included Gonzalez, also Kira Meredith, Tyler Miller, and it's Paulino and Roman Anthony. They all had, all had really good weeks. So it was a good week offensively for, uh, for the Greenville drive guys. Also, we're going to go back to my – I'm starting my triples agenda again because Tyler Miller hit three triples this week. So, like, why? Why? Like, like, <laughs> I couldn't just, have just stopped at second base a couple times. Like, come on. Just making Derek mad. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about Edison Paulino. Um, I wanted to mention him last week and just kind of forgot to, honestly. Because uh, he's had a little bit of a rougher year, but it feels like the last couple weeks he's kind of started to maybe turn it around a little bit. Um. I said early in the year, I think in like May, I'm like, oh, maybe he's starting to turn around a little bit, and then he kind of didn't. Um, but he's guy, he is Rule Five eligible. Doesn't seem like he's going to get out at this point, and probably doesn't seem like anyone would take him at this point because he is having a rougher year in High A. Um, and he was my guy I picked into the year in terms of like, I think he could really jump out. It, it was like, yeah, it's going to be. It, I would believe it'd be Paulino. Um, but at the same time, he hasn't done it. But I still have faith in him. I still think he's a guy who can still still has some promise in him um, having this week on seven for 18, two doubles. He didn't hit a triple. So I like him even more this week. Um, he had a Homer um, also stole a base this week. Um, so very solid week. Um, and hopefully we can see Edison Paulino at his best because when he's at his best, he's fun to watch um, puts the ball in play and can even drive it a little bit too. Um, can play a little bit all over the place. I wonder what they're going to do with that because he is another infielder. So maybe we see him in the outfield at some point which I don't know if they would do that, but just me kind of hypothesizing because we are having a log jam and maybe he, maybe he, they give him the Nick York treatment and chuck him in double a next year. Um, even after a rougher year in height, I don't know if they would do that, but still you're starting to run into a little bit of a log jam regardless of where he is next year. Um, so we'll see. Or maybe he could potentially be a trade piece because he is rule five eligible. Who knows? Um, but I, I still have very high promise for Paulino. Um, and I do think that needs to be recognized, even though he is having he isn't having the breakout year that some, including myself, thought he might have. Um, so yes, um, that's where I want to go. Anyone who who wants to go next uh, in terms of, else I can go to Hunter. Uh, okay, yeah, I'll. Uh, I, I'm actually going to talk about Tyler Miller, who you mentioned. He, to be fair, he did have three triples, but he did a, a lot of other things this week. Uh, he went, Tyler Miller went eight for 13 with two doubles, three triples, a Homer in his last four games. Uh, I believe the first game of the series, I think he went like over three, did drive in a run, but uh, he's left-handed hitter. Uh, he plays first, third and corner outfield spots. Uh, he's looked very good defensively at first base. Um, he's, he's made, I think a lot of athletic plays there. I think he's someone that like, um, is extra athletic for first base, but then like if he was playing right field in Fenway, you might think like he might not be the best option for it, but um, he's, he's like that weird, like he, it's hard to describe Tyler Miller. Um, Cause he's like a, a less athletic athlete. I don't really know how else to describe it. Like he's, 
he's going to get you uh, – he does have, like, 20 home run potential, but he's also got 20 steal potential. But he's also, like, not this uber-fast guy or anything. He's just kind of got decent speed, and he's smart on the base paths, and uh, he's got a quick glove. Uh, and on the seat, he's having a really good year, and he's been pretty consistent all year. He's slashing 279, 337, 462. Uh, he's got 15 doubles, which is already a career high, three triples, eight homers. Uh, he's driven in 40 runs. He's stolen 13 bases. So, like I said, the, there's pop in the bat, but there's also, like, that potential for steals, which for someone that's playing a lot of first base, that's an awesome little added bonus to have a guy, that, you know, that's hitting 280 and is going to steal you 13 bases. Um, and he's someone that I kind of feel has has gone under the radar a little bit for the last few seasons. And I believe he's 23. He was a college guy. Um, so you could argue that like, oh, maybe, maybe high A's, you know, maybe he's already a little bit too advanced for high A. So the solid numbers are a little skewed because of that. But um, I mean, I, to me, it's, it's hard to argue with the results. And, and I do think that double A will be an interesting challenge for him, but I think he's someone that's proving that he's, he's going to be ready for that challenge. I'm guessing it'll be next year. I see no way where he gets called up this year. Uh, and that's nothing due to him. That's more, I just told you the positions he plays first, third and corner outfield first and third, the, uh, Portland doesn't need anything else going on there. Um, and corner outfield spots, they've already got Phillip Sykes. They've already got Corey Rogier. They've already got, uh, Tyler McDonough can play there. Like they, they've already just got too much going on. Um, and it would just be better to keep him in high A and give him those daily at-bats. But I think that next year there's a strong chance that Miller starts in double A, and um, we're seeing how good he's been recently in triple A, and um, I think he has – or I'm sorry, in high A, and I think he has a chance next year to make a name for himself in double A and kind of start to get a little bit of hype around him. Uh, and if anyone watched this week, those triples weren't like the the gimmicky triples where he hits it and it rolls around. I mean, he was hitting the ball hard. Um, one of the triples off the bat, I think everyone thought was a homer. Um, so he's he's really starting to connect on pitches, and it's it's been fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. Although the triples aren't my favorite thing, but you know, <laughs> well. Um, I think I may have a clue Jake's going to talk about, but maybe not. Maybe he's going to go a little bit in the less obvious direction, but we'll see. Um, uh, Jake, well, yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to go in a relatively obvious direction because I, I did, you know, have a chance to watch it. Like, a, a, you know, Luis Perales, uh, you know, he is the best pitching prospect in the system. I don't think there's any question about that right now. Um, I watched a good chunk of his start against Rome, and um, it was a very odd outing. Uh, if you look at the stat line for Prowess, he had he went five innings. He had ten strikeouts. Awesome. He also had three walks and four hits and gave up a run. So, what I thought was interesting was I didn't feel like he had his best stuff in that start. He was, um, you see the stuff and it's undeniable. Like it's just, you know, the you can get it up to 95, 96, 97 miles an hour, and has just just this nasty nasty slider nasty nasty hook and then throwing the change up in there too just incredible stuff but like it, it's not always the command's just not always there for him and it makes sense because he's you know he's he's really young and he's getting his still getting he's kind of really still getting his feet under him in greenville so um you know 
there, uh, it, it was uh, it was interesting to watch him. And again, another another really good start for him. He's had several really excellent starts so far in Greenville. Um, I think we're at the point now where it's you know pretty much almost a certainty that he's going to be protected in Rule Five draft. I think that another team would definitely take him and put him in their bullpen next year, even though he hasn't pitched above high A next year. You know, if he sticks around, he'll be in. He'll probably be in Double A at some point. And um, but just you know, enjoy the ride again. Similarly with with other guys we've talked about, Perales is is really special. Um, and it's been great to see that he stayed healthy this year. It's been good to see that they've let him um they've taken the shackles off a bit and allow him go to go five innings and you know because that was he was mostly before this year he pretty much only thrown like three innings was i think the max he had ever pitched in a game so that was great to see so happy to happy to see paralysis uh, uh succeed like this i just wanted to also you know again similar to talking about meyer before we moved on from greenville or before we moved on from salem sorry from portland wow um we should talk about noah song and unfortunately, Ed is not here. Uh, we can't ask him about his full opinion about Noah Song. But we did at, uh, during last week's show, right after the trade deadline, after the Phillies did not trade him before the trade deadline, he had already been designated for Simon at that point. So he was you know, on waivers and available to all the other teams in MLB. And nobody claimed him. Uh, and so on Friday, I believe it was, he was offered back to the Red Sox. And the Red Sox took him back. So the long national nightmare of the whole Noah song saga is over at least until next year's rule five draft, unless he's added to the Red Sox 40 man roster when David Dombrowski could pull all this bullshit again, um, which wouldn't shock me. But, but as the paper move was that after song was returned to the Red Sox was that he was assigned to triple uh, a that's because that was where he had pitched in his last rehab outing. He was later reassigned to Greenville. So I don't know if we're going to see. I, I would think maybe we would see Song pitch in a game before the end of the year. He's been pitching in games for for uh, in the Phillies organization, but they're also going to build him back up the right way. And he you know, was only throwing like 91 to 93 before. There was an article, I think it was Alex Spear in the Globe, who talked to Chris Murphy about Song. And Chris Murphy said something along the lines of how like Noah Song was like by far the best pitcher that Chris Murphy. Yeah. He was easily the greatest pitcher I saw when they were teammates in Lowell in 2019. Um, I don't know that we're ever going to get that Noah song back. I don't know if he's ever going to throw 97, 98, 99 again, but he's an intriguing guy. He has a good slider. You know, he's probably, a, he's probably a reliever, but the Red Sox, as long as he doesn't get picked again in the rule five draft, um, you know, I, I think that maybe there's something here. You know, he's older, he's, he's whatever, 25 now, uh, 26, and maybe he doesn't become anything, but at least we know in the short term, he's going to be with the Red Sox and the whole, like I said, the whole saga is, is, uh, over for now. Over for a couple months. So as there was in the rule five draft in like the end of November, like, uh, the rule five draft is at the, is usually, is usually the last thing that happens at the winter meeting. So it's the December, the beginning of December and the the protection, the protection deadline is like right before Thanksgiving. It's like a week or two before that. So, um, yeah, yeah. Should be fun. Fun times. (laughs) I kind of want the Red Sox to add them just to be petty back to the, back to the Phillies. Just be like, no, you can't have them. (laughs) Screw off. Um, Last thing, uh, Hunter, we need to take a little bit of time to uh, acknowledge Roman Anthony. Just yes, yes. acknowledge him. Um, yes, put the ones up. Um, 
yes, I remember a few weeks ago, people on Twitter were like, what the hell? What do you mean by that? And it's just like, it's like, no, it's like, it's like you guys are idiots. Um, no offense. No offense. But you, you don't get it. Um, yes. Um, yeah. The only other guy I just wanted to mention quickly was uh, Brock Bell because his last 10 appearances, he had 15 two thirds in his pitch. He's only given up two runs. Only one of them earned. He's got 17 strikeouts and just one walk in that time stretch too. So I, I do want to mention him as well. Yeah. Um, but I think it's time. Let's move to low A. Um, time to talk this two weeks in a row. Jenix and Pius. Um, he had one start this week. Went six innings. Only gave up two hits. No runs. Uh, one walk. Did only strike out one guy. But, I mean, prove that, hey, doesn't necessarily need the strikeouts to get guys out. Um, which is nice to see. Um, I'll go to Jake first this time. Thoughts on Pius this week and just the overall success he's had in general. I know we talked about just last week. But yeah. he's now he's added another good start on top of it. I think what's really remarkable was like somebody asked us a question, I think on, on Twitter. Um, and they were just like, what's up with Jedix and Piaz? It was, yeah. and it was kind of a ride around then. And we were like, yeah, you know, he's been injured. Like he, he's taken some time off and it's been a weird season. And it felt like ever since whenever that question was asked, he's just been pretty much lights out again, very similar to Isaac coffee. He doesn't throw hard. He can barely, barely break a pane of glass. Um, gets by on his stuff. Gets by a listening week contact. Had another great start this week. Yeah, only had one strikeout in six innings. But again, he gets through six innings, only gives up two hits. Um, and the last six starts for him now, a .58 ERA in six starts. 23 strikeouts to t- just two walks in 31, in a th- 31 uh, innings. And has given up 16 hits, just a 150 opposing batting average. We talked about him last week. He, he went six innings. He went six innings again this week. So... Again, the the it's crowded in Greenville in terms of pitchers. I don't know that we're going to see Piaz up in Greenville before the end of this year. The the I think another uh, another potential reason why is just because of the fact that he missed some time with injury, and they maybe just want to say we're going to keep you in in Salem this whole season and see what happens. Um, I think that I just wanted to look up um, how old. Is Jedix and Piaz. He is. He is nineteen. He's he's nineteen. So yeah. So there's no reason to, um, there's no reason to 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 move him up to to high A this year, at all. I don't think. Um, and then let him get let him see where he's at in the off season. Yeah. But this has been a really remarkable turnaround for him. Um, uh, after being hurt and struggling a bunch earlier in the year, just whatever he's worked on with the Red Sox pitching development infrastructure, uh, has really worked. So good for him. And uh, and uh, I'm happy to talk about him as many weeks in a row as possible if he continues to pitch like this. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you you mentioned how good he's been uh, with the control recently, and that's something that he's been great at all year. He only has 51 strikeouts in 64 and a third innings this season, but he's also only walked nine batters, uh, and that's I mean that's something that. Uh, and I don't even want to say that's been the reason he's been good. Like oh, he stayed out of trouble. He's also only given up 50 hits. He has a, a 208 on uh, batting average again. So it's not even like people are hitting him, but he's not walking anyone. He's really just not letting people on base. He has a, a 0.92 whip. Um, and it's it's one of those things where he, like he's 19. And I think it's better that he has this great control already compared to, you know, oh, he's 19 and he throws 98, but he doesn't know where he's throwing it because – I think that they can try to find ways to add a couple miles per hour to his fastball. And hey, if it doesn't work, 
that's fine. We know that you succeeded in single A with, with this great command and this 91 mile an hour fastball. Um, and they could try to just work from there and really maybe focus on the, the breaking pitches and the, the off-speed stuff, the secondary stuff. Um, but if you can find a way to get that fastball up to, you know, 95 even, and, and, or even 93, 94 consistently, um, and it doesn't hurt his control, I think that that just, like, immediately elevates him to this whole other level. Uh, and the, I mean, the run he's been on has been fantastic, and like you mentioned, it was, I don't remember when it was, but we did get a question at some point that was, Hey, what's going on with, with Jettix and Paez and uh, legitimately might've been the next start that he went five shutout innings and started this, this run. Um, but it was just this weird case of, Hey, he's 19. He's younger than Luis Perales. He's uh, he dealt with injuries to the, like he missed multiple starts at the beginning of the year. And then in like May, he missed the start. Uh, and then I, I think he missed a start in June. Um, I know he had 10 days between, between starts. So that might have just been them deciding to skip a start or just like a weird scheduling thing. And they just, you know, maybe a game got rained out and it all got messed up, but um, he's, he's now being been their most consistent dominant starter and um and we're seeing how important that control is because that's something especially in a, in a low level like single a that i'm sure a lot of hitters aren't seeing they're probably not seeing a pitcher that you know oh he's only throwing 91 but oh look he put that fastball on the outside corner right where he wanted it oh he he hit you with a with a breaking ball that just got outside of the zone and he got you swinging and missing and he's shown some strikeout ability uh like you said, he only had one strikeout in his last start, but the start before that he had five, the two starts before that he had seven in each of the, each of those. So there is like a little bit of, of strikeout potential there. I like, I don't think he's ever going to, unless he adds some velocity to his pitches, I don't think he'll ever be this like dominant strikeout pitcher, but you don't need to get strikeouts to succeed, especially if you're not walking people. Um, and I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you. I don't think we see him in high A this year because he's so young. He only has 64 innings in single A. There's no reason to push him. And there's really no spot in high A right now. And there's no reason to not just let him finish out the year in Salem and then start freshly in Greenville next year and let him build off that. Yeah, definitely. Um, not a ton to add, honestly. I mean, it's just been seller really like the, that's like the, besides the fact we've talked about how good he has, like, it's really just simple. He's been stellar, but that's as simple as you can put it. I do want to talk about Luis De La Rosa, um, part of the Josh Minkowski trade, um, which I will still always call it that um, just to piss people off. And that's because that's what it should be called anyways. Uh, but De La Rosa, um, he pitched on two games this week, three innings, uh, only gave up a run on two hits. Um, five strikeouts did walk three guys. Um, the walks have been a little bit of a problem for him this year. Um, he's walking 14% of the batters he faces this year, a little bit, you know, concerning five walks per nine over five walks per nine. Like, yeah, a little bit concerning, but like, yeah, but he's still only 21, like 21 might sound a little old for, you know, low A, but at the same time, like we see guys who don't debut in the big leagues till they're what, 25, 26. I mean, heck Brandon Walter was a 26 round draft pick. He's what, 26 now. And he like, and he was drafted at what 21, 22. So he was at that level at that age, right? So it's not like totally unheard of to have a 21 year old in Salem. Um, and, and he still has, you know, long road ahead of him. Like I said, he's 
He's only in Salem so long world ahead of him. Seems like they're kind of setting on him and being in the bullpen now because he did have a couple starts earlier in the year, more so kind of like spot starts. Um, but he's kind of settled into the bullpen now. Um, we'll see what he does the rest of this year. I have hope for him. I hope he does become a big leaguer and pitch as well. Just another reason to make people shut up about that trade um, because I hate hearing about it because it's annoying. Um, and, I, and I just like to give people another reason to shut up about it. Um, so I hope he does good. Um, but yeah, he, he a solid week. Not nothing like wild, amazing, super crazy, uh, but very solid once again from him. Um, three one ERA over the course of the year. Nothing like, like I said, nothing mind boggling. Um, but he's been solid for the most part. I think the big thing for him is just kind of work on the walks. I think that's the big thing for him. Work on the command, that kind of stuff. Um, but if he can get that down, I think he definitely has a future. Probably as a reliever at this point now, it seems that's the way they're going to go with him. Um, but hey, Josh Winkowski, same trade, ended up becoming a reliever, former starter, and look what he's doing now in the big leagues, right? Delarosa, still a long way to go, but uh, I have faith that hopefully he can get there at some point. Um, and just add another reason to that trade of, you know, hey, time to shut up about the trade. It, it turned out pretty all right. Um, Jake, uh, who do you have for uh, Salem this week? Um, Let's talk about um, let's talk about Albert Feliz, who has been hitting well since the end of June. Uh, five for sixteen this past week, one homer, uh, three three walks to just to two strikeouts, um, and a nine twenty one OPS. So Feliz is a guy who has benefited from some of the promotions that have happened from Salem up to Greenville. He was playing a lot of first base earlier in the year, and that was because of, I think, of you know Roman Anthony and, and Alan Castro and Juan Chacon before he got hurt, kind of taking up most of the time in the outfield. And now that Feliz, uh, now that um, those guys have moved on, Feliz has had more of a chance to play some, get more of the sort of corner outfield time. So we're getting to see kind of more of what uh, more of what he can do. And I think that uh, that th- there's there's real potential there with him. The Red Sox have a have a lot. Of, they just have like a lot of guys in general. We've talked about this a lot over and over again. Um, you know, he's a he's a, a pretty large guy. You know, he's like six two, and um, he hit. Uh, he's been in the system for a long time. You know, being somebody who was signed out of the Dominican. Um, you know, he's now twenty one years old. He he's definitely is more of sort of a, a bat first kind of guy, but he's always had, he's always had power potential. And I think he's, you know, continuing to be able to get more opportunities to show it. And uh, so Albert Feliz is somebody to, we have not talked much about on the show this year, but um, somebody to, to definitely to keep an eye on. Yeah. He's someone that the, uh, the Salem announcers always will very happily tell you has the most insane power that they've ever seen. Ever that yeah. that's something that they bring up a lot when he comes up to the plate is he's got, he's got big boy power and it seems like every time they talk about it he hits a ball very hard so they should keep talking about it. Uh, and he's a name I, I can't mess up. <laughs> uh, I want to throw out quickly. Uh, this is this is just a quick little shout out that uh, Gilberto Jimenez is rehabbing in single A right now. Uh, technically rehabbing, they've assigned him there, but um, that's just because you can't rehab from high A and. He, he looked pretty good this week. He went five for 17. He hit a grand slam in the 10th inning of the game. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what the plan is with him. I know he's kind of been up and down and uh, this kind of seemed like one of those he needed to have a big year. So then of course he gets hurt. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see where, what the plan is with him moving forward. But I also want to highlight Lionel James. He's a uh, right-handed hitting corner infielder. 
plays a, a better first base, I think, than third base. Um, and he went four for 10 with a walk and two doubles in his last four games. Having a decent season. He's slashing 243, 313, 324. Uh, he's been, he was somebody that I think had a, a pretty long, cold stretch and it, it hurt his overall numbers, but he's done a just solid job of digging himself out of that recently. And he's, uh, he's been getting consistent playing time for basically the whole season. Um, but I think that more recently he's starting to look more and more comfortable at the level. Uh, he's, he's hitting the ball harder and he's got, he's got 11 doubles and three homers on the year, but that has a little bit to do with the fact that he had a long gold streak, a lot to do with the fact that he plays in Salem. And, um, I think he's kind of in that same boat of Albert Feliz where he's not the name that people are going to be watching for, but he's, got a lot of like that sneaky potential of someone that can kind of just creep up on you. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh, look at this guy in single a that's, that's putting together a strong stretch. And I think he's got that potential of being a, an intriguing and he's played other positions. Uh, I think, I think he'll end up sticking at first base probably, which doesn't really help him uh, based on what the Red Sox are doing right now. I mean, we've talked about it already. Tristan Goss is having a phenomenal rookie season and, that's clearly their plan moving forward. But um, Lionel James, I think, is a just a, a fun guy to watch. I think he hits the ball really hard. I think he struggled a little bit defensively at third base, but I think he's looked really good at first base. And uh, I think that that's something that's hard to do, and I think it's very important in the lower levels of the minors because everyone's usually not the best fielder in the minor leagues. Everybody's still working on things. So if you have a first baseman that can get those scoops and everything, it, it makes everyone else around them look better. And um, I think he's really helped stabilize the the infield. And the fact that the bat's starting to come around again is awesome. And I could see him being someone that gets mentioned a little bit more in the weeks coming forward. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's it for all the affiliated levels. Uh Anyone got anything else, or we want to move on now to our FCL minute that might be a little bit longer than a minute this week? No, I think we're good. And yeah, so let's let's kind of jump into that. So uh, we're starting to see some of the uh, debuts of professional debuts for the draftees, and so just you know, we've seen we we mentioned Stanley Tucker already. Um, Nizan Zanatello and Kyle Teal made their debuts the same day. Christian Campbell made his debut uh, Monday today. So Kyle Teal made two starts, both at catcher. He was over two in the first game. The second game, I think he was three for three, including hitting an absolute scud missile bomb home run that the Red Sox player development thankfully had the video rolling. Um, I mean, they tape all of these games anyway. They have all they have everything on video that all these guys always do, um, and they were they were able to get that to the social media team, and they they were able to publish that out there. So that was awesome to see, and so. Kyle Teal was rewarded with a promotion, not just to not just up one level, but up a, up another level to Greenville, which I don't think is that big of a surprise. I think some people were like, "Wow, he's skipping Salem entirely." I think the based off the level of competition where he's at his age, twenty one years old, um, having played for three years in the ACC, I think it made sense to have him go to Greenville. So um, we'll see how quickly he gets into game action there. Um, I'm really excited. I think all the Red Sox fans should be excited about the fact that. 
he's going to be in the same lineup with Roman Anthony. Um, and also he's going to be getting the chance to catch Luis Perales and, and Angel Bastardo and, and, you know, and, and whoever else is going to be running through there. So that's really exciting. Um, as far as FCL and DSL go, FCL, it's continuing to be, you know, Nathaniel Newton and um, and Johan Fran Garcia just killing it, and uh, Yolan Cespedes and Starlin Nunez just killing it in the DSL. So I don't know, I don't know, Hunter, if you had anything more you wanted. To uh, I do just want to throw on with Kyle Teal. You mentioned him catching for these guys. I think that's going to make such a big difference. Uh, I mean, I think that Ron Rosario, Alex Arrow duo in in high A has been solid. Uh, but clearly Kyle Teal's going to be the main focus, especially Alex Zero can play first base. Um, and I think having someone that's as skilled of a receiver as Kyle Teal, that was one of the big things with him was this a good defensive catcher. Um, I think that that's just like, that's such a perfect thing to have for your, especially for someone like Luis Perales, who's the best pitching prospect in the system um, to have this guy who is, you know, an experienced college catcher coming in. And like, I, I think that that's going to make the world of a difference. I think it's going to help with, with Paralysis development. And it's also nice that, you know, this is two guys that we could see as potential battery mates in the majors in, you know, two, three seasons. So that's fun. You know, you get to, uh, you're, you're seeing the best catching prospect in the system and the best pitching prospect in the system at the same level. Um, and that's something that we might see, I wouldn't be surprised if both of them were in Portland at some point next year. So that's something we might see a lot of, which, which is nice because when they do get to the majors, they'll be familiar with each other. Uh, yeah. It's just, there's, there's a lot going on. It's great to see all the, all the guys starting to get their assignments, starting to get playing time in the FCL and Teal going up to high A already. Um, it, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, definitely. The only thing I do want to add, uh, Kyle Teal going to the same lineup as Roman Anthony and Alan Castro just doesn't get up without. Gonna have him have a mention of him at some point this episode. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so you gotta, you gotta mention. We gotta mention him. <laughs> I mean, I'm the president of the fan club. What do you expect me to do? It's your job. It's your duty. Yeah, that's what you were. You were. There's a. You have a, a the constitution to uphold. <laughs> yes. Um, there will be a coup I, otherwise. <laughs> um, yes. Now I think it's time to now take a jump into our guest, the prospect. Um, this one is interesting. Um, I had to spin the wheel. I do a spin the wheel to determine what prospect because we take it out the Sox prospects top sixty. So do it at random. Take the sixty players that have ranked. So one through sixty, spin a wheel, whatever number it lands on. Go to that prospect. I had to do it five times because the four previous times <laughs> I landed on the same. I landed on someone we'd already done, and twice it was the same number, which I'm pretty sure was Stephen Scott's number. Which, like, cool, but like we just did them. I think last <laughs> week or the week before. Like, so can't do them again. Um, that wouldn't really be fair. Um, so I finally got someone who we haven't done. Um, so at least I'm pretty sure we haven't done. Uh, so let's dive straight into this. Um, this player, this prospect, was born in Roanoke, Virginia. I feel like I should already know this. This player went to college at James Madison. This player was a seventh round draft pick in 2019. This player had Tommy John surgery in 2017 when he was at college in college. Ooh. 
this player was born July 16th of 1998 and is currently 25 years old. Okay, 25. This player bats right and throws right. Have you said a position yet? I don't know if you do that. No. No, okay. Is it is it Grant Gambrell? No. <sighs> this player is six foot six, two sixty-five. So essentially a UFC heavyweight. Yeah, it's that's massive. That's huge. Is it Nick Robertson? It is Nick Robertson. There you go. Oh, nice. There you go. New to the organization and just made his Red Sox debut on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> yes. Pitching in, in about as low leverage a situation as you can possibly pitch in. Yes. Um, uh, uh, yeah, the other hints were he was acquired. The last three hints actually is acquired by acquired by the Red Sox via trade or via trade. I want to pronounce it. I don't care because um, my yeah, pronunciations are bad anyway. Tomato, 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 potato, potato. Who cares? Uh, drafted by the Dodgers, and then it was a part of the Kike trade. Which at that point you would have had two options. <laughs> like. If you if you, it's a 50-50 shot at them, like I wasn't gonna say pitcher because once I said Kike trade, like, well, you only have two options. If they're both relief pitchers, it yeah, doesn't change anything. Exactly. So yes, Jake adds a point to our uh, unknown score tally at this point. We're we're just gonna have no one knows. All of you. We're gonna take. We're just gonna have a winner takes all best two out of three at some point at the end of the year, and oh, that's wow. gonna be who wins. Wow. And we might just do that. Game on. And that that one we might just do every pros every prospect in the system. <laughs> screw it. Not even top six. Every prospect in the system. Screw wow. it. Wow. All right. Who cares? Not really, yep. really good. Get up stuck with like some stuff. DSL kid who just signed <laughs> like two weeks ago. Sweet. <laughs> he hasn't um, played. <laughs> yes, who hasn't played yet? Uh, have fun with that. Um, I think that's a good place to end up though. Um. Both guess the prospect, Jake gets that one right, to our invisible score because we obviously don't know it. So uh, no one has reached out to us with the score yet. So Nobody wants that roast beef sandwich. Yeah, you, you get a yes. Arby's <laughs> gift card if you get if you could tell us. We'll, we'll send it to you. Yes, but you have to get a roast beef sandwich with it. You have to get a roast um, beef sandwich. but I think that is a perfect place to end it. For Hunter, for Jake, my name is Derek. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Pesky Report. Once again, brought to you by Beyond the Monster. As I'll make sure to double not forget it this week. Um, so thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time.